When I found out I was gonna be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. Hey guys, it's me, Jamie. It's a new day. It's not Wednesday. You're probably wondering, what is this that I just saw pop up in my happy hour podcast feed? Well, here's the deal. We did a mini series a couple months ago called If You Only Knew, and we had such a great response from it. If you haven't listened to those mini series, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. But then I thought I'd do something different. I was talking to one of my friends, Jamie Golden, who is the co-host of the show, The Popcast, and they have a new show that just came out, and I want you to hear about it. Now, their new show is called The Bible Bench, and you know what? I'm going to tell you what I told Jamie when she first told me about this show. I said, Jamie, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous for The Bible Bench, but you know what, guys? I've listened to the entire season one, and I cannot recommend this show enough. Here's what you need to think. Imagine if your Bible 101 class was taught by Us Weekly. That really sums up the show. That is what this new project is from my friends, Jamie and Knox over at the Popcast. They've called it the Bible Bench. And I'm gonna give you a sneak peek of it here on the Happy Hour feed. So what you're gonna hear, guys, is an excerpt of the episode where they recap the story of Adam and Eve. Now, each episode of the Bible Bench involves Knox and Jamie taking both the familiar and the obscure stories found in scripture. And with equal parts humor and insight, they walk us through the odd circumstances in which these ancient figures find themselves. You know, whether these are some of the stories that you learned in vacation Bible school, if you grew up in the church, or maybe you've never heard of some of these stories, the Bible binge has something for everyone. Each episode serves as a recap of the story. It isn't evangelical or anti-Christian. It's just a recap of an ancient story as if it was an episode of The Bachelor. And let me tell you, that made me nervous until I listened. And here's the hope for the show. If Knox and Jamie happen to stray from the text, their resident Bible scholar, Elizabeth Hindman, offers a detailed, gentle rebuke at the end of every episode. And that might be my favorite part of every episode. But here's what you need to know is Knox and Jamie love the Lord and they love God's word and they are not making fun of it at all. I'm only telling you guys that because that's what my worry was. I've loved the first season. The first season is over, but they're gonna have a second season out soon. So go ahead. Listen to the episode of Adam and Eve right now. Go find the Bible Bench wherever you listen to podcasts. Download the shows, listen to the entire episode, and then go find them on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter and tell them that you might've been nervous at first, but you're not nervous anymore. You can find them over at the Bible Bench. All right, guys, here are my friends, Jamie and Knox from the podcast with their new show, The Bible Bench. Hello and welcome to this very special inaugural episode of The Bible Bench. I'm one of your hosts, Knox McCoy, and joining me as always, someone who, if she's going to be tempted into eternal sin, is going to be because someone offered her white cheddar cheese. This is Jamie Golden. I'm sad that my bar is so low. My apologies to humanity. Okay, guys, so here's the deal. The Bible Binge is a show where we take stories from the Bible and recap them as though they were a movie, a book, or a TV show, which is a lot like what we do every week on our other show about pop culture, The Popcast with Knox and Jamie. So super quick before we start, we don't have any agenda with the show. It's not meant to be evangelical or adversarial. We just think the Bible has some dope stories and we want to talk more about that. And lastly, if you want to follow along with this episode at home, we are reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 4 through chapter 3, verse 24. All right, so get your popcorn ready because it's about to get good and evil. 
What? Just a little bottle so of humor for you. Just nailed it. Completely nailed so it. So great. Okay. So Jamie, Adam and Eve, um, you know, I thought it, it's a fitting place to start, you know, with this show, because it's kind of how everything got rolling in the Bible. Um, before we talk specifics about the story, you know, because you and I, we come from a like a pop culturally uh, informed, I don't know, framework, right. right? Like that's kind of how we perceive stuff. So let's talk about how we've seen this Adam and Eve story replicated in pop culture. Well, Adam and Eve is one of those most beloved by artists. Mainly, I think it was because like artists in the 1600s were like, how do I paint boobies and get away with it? And it was like, that's oh, right. if it's Eve's boobies, it's mm. Mother Eve. It's totally fine. They were naked. Don't underestimate like how much males are, are uh, motivated by like, how do I get to the boobies? Like, how do I reverse engineer boobies? The difficult thing was they were like, we want to paint boobies, but that I guess that's going to have to mean we're going to have to paint peepees. And we're not. <laughs> that's harder. It's very that difficult. Knife cuts both ways, guys. <laughs> so you see a lot of that in art. And then, of course, kind of the quintessential Adam and Eve comes into pop culture is with John Milton's Paradise. Lost. So Milton retells mm-hmm. the story of Adam and Eve um, in this kind of epic, super depressing poem. We're going to obviously include a link to it in the show notes, but you can skip it because it's really dark. Like you certainly like with Jesus himself and like the crucifixion, redemption, resurrection. That's a a story that echoes and informs a lot of uh, of culture and art. But I think Adam and Eve does like it's less um, forthright and it's less like emboldened by the I don't know the the power of the story, but it's just, so, I think it's ease of reference. Like the, the Adam and, I, and Eve idea is so iconic and so easily accessible to everyone that you can see it casually thrown everywhere. And I think like you had mentioned, we see this in a lot of commercials. I know in TV shows, like you see homages to Adam and Eve. I know specifically for me, like uh, Narnia, like Sons of Adam, right? Like that's a, a very uh, non-veiled Adam and Eve reference. Even the movie Wally, you know, you've got Wally, who I guess is an Adam stand-in, right? And who comes to uh, see him on the planet, on the junky planet? It's Eve, right? Like, so you see this in a lot of different places. Yeah. I think uh, another way that you see Adam and Eve, maybe in a, in a more nuanced kind of iteration, is in fairy tales, like with uh, evil witches or stepmothers. What is the fruit that they usually use to poison or charm the protagonist? It is an apple. It is an apple, right? And that's a that's a direct takeaway from Adam and Eve. It might not actually be the fruit that was used, and we'll talk more about that later, but it is certainly iconic in the sense of uh, it was used to thwart uh, humanity. Right. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about the people involved. Like, let's set the stage. Let's talk about who's going to be coming up in this story. All right. So by order of appearance, we are going to meet, obviously, we're going to meet God because he's just always there. And mm-hmm. so he's ever present in every Bible story. Um, and so obviously I'm going to say God created the earth. I do know that there are no four word combinations that are more controversial than God sure. created the earth. Right. Right. That's not controversial, right? Everybody's on the same page of how that worked. <laughs> right. There's not entire disciplines or sciences or like tumblers dedicated to that not being true or not. No, or being right? true. It's, it's totally, totally cool. Fine. Everyone's so chill about that. So guys, we are going to work from the concept of God created the earth and you're mm-hmm. just going to have to like mosey on along with us in that, <laughs> in that sense. Okay. Then our next characters are obviously Adam and Eve. Adam is the first guy. I have a lot of questions about Adam. I'm mm-hmm. curious as to was Adam an INTJ? Okay. I think probably too hard about the minutia. And I think, well, was he have brown eyes and brown hair? And that's why the majority of the earth have brown eyes and brown hair. Mm. Like, is mm-hmm. that is that why it's like that? Like, I'm very curious about Father Adam. Like, what kind of characteristic? Is he tall? Did he have a deep voice? Or did he have to have, where was his puberty voice? Like, oh, 
did he get to just skip that? Obviously, well, they're we're probably post puberty, I would say. Right. Right. But no belly button. I think it's probably an aesthetic. I think God was like, <laughs> we're going to use a sticker here. Like this is we're, we're not going through the usual ways and means right. that we're going to do this, but I don't want you to feel weird. So here's a sticker. And don't get that wet. All of this is to say, if you're wondering what my first conversation with Adam is going to be in heaven when I meet mm-hmm. him. I assume mm-hmm. I'll get to meet him. I'm sure there's like a Starbucks where like key biblical figures hang out and you can go right. and be like, I want to talk to Adam. Adam, Jamie's here. I'm Adam, do you have See, a belly button? With, this is where we differ pretty greatly, Jamie. And I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that. You see it as like a Starbucks. I see it as like almost like Disney World where you're like, oh, wow. you're going to go into the Old Testament section and... <laughs> Maybe you'll see Adam walking around. I don't know. Maybe it's his shift, you know? Like he's working, like he's the one on It's a Small World, like mm-hmm. checking your band to see if you Oh, can... no, no, not working. He's just taking autograph like requests. Okay. Like he's just there to receive people. That's nice. I like yeah, that your heaven is full of rides with children because that is, you're right. That is not my heaven. It is 100% not my <laughs> it's heaven. It's a very different place. Okay, so next up is Eve. She comes shortly after Adam. She's the first lady. I feel like she gets described as an extrovert. Because mm-hmm. when I wonder about her personality, I do know that when people describe her as an extrovert, they don't mean it as a compliment. <laughs> and I take that personally. I take offense to that. That somehow because she's outgoing and is willing to talk to anybody, including possibly a serpent that shouldn't be able to talk, they're like, well, that's what you get for being an extrovert. They make horrible well, decisions. It, but it's like it would be kind of kind of crappy if God would have made her to be an introvert, like to hang out with Adam. And she's like, I just don't like people. Like this is just fundamentally, I don't like talking Well, and to remember, introverts just mean their energy is drained by people. I mm-hmm. think she could have been a great introvert because she would have only been with Adam. And it'd been like- I'm sorry, are you introvert explaining me right now? I am. Jamie, I understand introverts <laughs> acutely. Thank you very much. I know, much. but I'm just saying it would make sense for them to be introverts because there were literally no other people. So sure. their energy would be up all the time. Right. Whereas if she was an extrovert, she would be depressed like I am when I'm home alone too long. (laughs) Okay, and then we get the setting for our story, which for most of the story is the Garden of Eden. Um, It's a garden that God created in Eden. And all we really know about the garden pretty much is that it, it says that God created every tree pleasing in appearance. I looked up in Southern Living Magazine. They said that there are six trees you should never plant. And one of them is the mulberry. Have you ever ever had a mulberry tree in your yard? I gotta be honest, no. I don't. Like, I wouldn't know that if it fell over. You would me. know because, you want me to tell you what mulberries are? They're garbage. My mom, we had a mulberry tree and my dad, my mom, I'm sure, promised him all sort of favors if he would just tear down that tree. And he just was not interested because his grandmother do not ask follow-up questions about what favors are. Ah, uh, that's where I was sitting. I was just waiting. <laughs> I know. I saw that look in your eye. Don't do Listen, it. Listen, I was a sniper on a mountain perch <laughs> and my scope was trained on that word. And I just can't not let it go. I know. And listen, I'm not sure. Like when he finally did it, it took probably 15 years when he did cut it down. I'm sure they're worth like affections exchange because she was so happy because mulberry trees people are like oh but the plants and my grandmother and they were so great meemaw but let me tell you they poop birds love mulberries love mulberries and so what do you get when you have birds who binge on mulberries you get bird poo all over your car my mother hated them okay and then the last thing that we have well in the garden we have two trees these two trees are characters unto themselves almost although they did not talk allegedly. Mm. We don't know. Maybe they did. I would have loved that. Um, in Scripture, there's no reference to them speaking. I love how you threw that allegedly out there and then just ran and got it and brought it right back. That's took right. it right back. I would have really loved it if they had. But in <laughs> Scripture, Moses does not 
who is the supposed author of Genesis, Genesis says no reference to them talking. And then sure. we get our primary antagonist, the serpent. Right. Which all we know about the serpent is there's lots of mysteries as like, was it a snake? Was it like a a serpent-esque type of thing? Well, I read something really interesting in uh, in a Bible commentary, and it talked about, it said, um, it is not stated that the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field, but that he was more subtle than any beast. And it said this is an indication that he wasn't a beast at all, nor does it appear that his becoming a beast following the cursed and one of the lowest of creation at that is alone sufficient reason for saying that he had been a beast all the time. Whatever the serpent was, he would appear to have been an upright creature and to have been endowed with the gift of speech. So it's almost like the per- the author goes on to say, like, for, it's accepted that at the period when Genesis was written, any belief in the existence of the devil was a foreign concept to the Hebrews. So it's almost like you're trying to articulate this character who doesn't exist as someone. Right. So you need kind of uh, an avatar for it. So obviously you're going to use a snake, right? Like snake, gecko, rat, spider. Like it was going to be one of those probably, uh, uh, right? right? And it just uh, unfortunately landed on the snake. Can you imagine if it was like a puppy? Like a golden retriever puppy. Wow. Can you imagine if you were like that devil dog? Can you imagine like the alternate reality <laughs> of like anytime you see a golden retriever, you're like, no, that's or a bad boy. At Get anytime you go into Target, there's a woman with a small purse with a snake in it and be like, this is my pet snake. I love it. <laughs> and you dress them in sweaters and stuff. Like it could be oh, a whole my new gosh. world. It would be so great. So let's, before we do kind of the rundown of the story, let's introduce what will be the theme, like the recurring idea or the motif of the story. For for what we're talking about, the recurring idea is um, the concept of duality, right? So you've got right. uh, good and evil. You've got Adam and Eve. You've got God as a creator and a grantor of things. But then you have to see God as a punisher, right, of, of sin, um, you've got animals as creatures to oversee. You've got animals as overseers of humanity's demise. You know, if you uh, interpret the serpent as a snake, you've got the forbidden versus the allowed. You've got Eden as paradise, but at the end of the story, also something that's forbidden to enter. So we see all of these ideas of um, entities or people or concepts that can exist in either direction, given uh, the story. So I think Understanding that, that's an interesting lens to now kind of talk through the, the details of the story. Yeah, I like how it's always and or, mm-hmm. which much of life is. So I like that it fits into that category really well. So what we understand is, so we're we're skipping chapter one for this passage because basically that's just, and although man is created, we get that first in the Bible in Genesis. Creation is talked about in two places. One in chapter one, which is just kind of an overview of the seven days of what happened in the seven days of creation. Mm-hmm. And then on day six, we get humans. And we actually get, uh, God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and over the birds and over the livestock and over every creeping thing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So he did this on the sixth day. Mm-hmm. And we know on the seventh he rested. Right. So why do you think? Why do you think humans were the last thing to get created? Because I have a very clear theory on why this is. Well, I mean, it could go either way. For me, and probably um, understanding who I am as a person and my uh, my kind of vibe on life, I think God intuitively knew that, like, wow, this is going to be dramatic. This is going to be a lot of work here. These people <laughs> are going to be super high maintenance. It's, it, you know, like you, you you knock out the easy tasks and you save the big one. You procrastinate on yes. the last one. Yes, I agree that there's a productivity system component to it of like, 
you know, Dave Ramsey in Financial Peace says, pay off your little credit cards first mm-hmm. and then pay off your house. Sure. And so it's like humans are the house. It's like, oh, my God, you're so much work. But I like the idea that it, it's more of a Vanessa Williams, save the best for last. So okay. it's going to take the most time. Not that he, he kind of only spent a half a day on us, but that's fine. I think it's still like kind of the most energy. But probably I like the idea that God saved it for a clapback because in Job, one of my favorite clapbacks of all time, I'm talking about of all time in the history of all mm. culture, yeah. is when God lets Job whine about his life. And Job had rightful, he had a rightful reason to whine. His life was pretty sucky. And finally, God just, in a, and it says he spoke in a whirlwind and said to him, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. I mean, I'm sorry. When God says, surely you know, is there a better moment in all of life than to hear God be like sarcastic <laughs> to his own creation? And so I like that God was like, I got to have this great clap back in Job. Let me just, so let me just unpack it so I understand it. Um, so what you're telling me is when God was like whiteboarding creation, he was like, I'll do, I'll do humans first and then I'll do all the, no, no, no. You know what I should do? There's going to be this jerk face in like thousands of years. who's going to like step to me. And instead what I'm going to do, I know what I'm going to do. I know I've got it right now. I'm going to do everything first. <laughs> And then create him. And then when he steps to me, I'm going to be like, bam, gotcha, Job. What up? Listen, God is omniscient. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. (laughs) But what we do know, and let let us be clear. Okay, so just in that passage, we said, so God created man in his own image. So let's address that for not just this episode of the Bible Binge, but all episodes Mm. of the Bible Binge. So God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. And here's the deal. We are created in the image of God. But... God is not created in our image. Right. And when when it says that we're created in the image of God, I like how Matthew Henry, the Bible scholar, which we are not and he is, mm-hmm. he says, it is only some of God's honor that is put upon man who is God's image only as the shadow in the glass or the king's impress upon the coin. So we're like a sloppy carbon copy, like multiplicity, <laughs> like Michael Keaton. Right. We're like the sixth. Like, it's like, you can see some of God. Sure. But it's not like, and so please know that in this episode and in every episode after this, we are going to try to put words and thought processes into God. And every time you will say that we shouldn't do that and we'll keep doing it. (laughs) Not to be disrespectful. It helps us understand, but we do it knowing that A, there's no way what we're saying is actually true, but B, like there's no wisdom in the intent of like trying to make my reason uh, apply to God's reason. And we understand that. And we're super duper aware of that. And we will be called to the carpet for that in future opportunities. Uh, that's right. And I don't think, yeah, you're right. I don't think God has a whiteboard. Mm, I don't know. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.